the fourth chapter beginning at the first verse. Therefore, since it is by God's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry, we do not lose heart. We have renounced the shameful things that one hides. We refuse to practice cunning or to falsify God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to the conscience of everyone in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves, we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in clay jars, so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. But just as we have the same spirit of faith that is in accordance with Scripture, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. Yes, everything is for your sake so that grace, as it extends to more and more people, may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart, even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure, because we do not look at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. It's an amazing thing in this season of my life to be in touch with people I knew 50 years ago, all thanks to social media, because of things like Facebook and Instagram. I'm in touch after half a century with some of my friends, classmates, and teammates going all the way back to elementary school. As it turns out, I'm happy to report that the overwhelming majority of my old friends from so long ago are active in Christian congregations. They're teachers, they're volunteers, they're lay leaders. And we've been able, these last months and years, to have many sweet edifying conversations about God's grace, about the life we share in Him, and the challenges that are facing the church today, challenges in a world that's so very different than the world in which we grew up. And as I'm in conversation with some of these dear old friends, it becomes apparent that it's not just the world that's changed. Uh, We've changed as well. I was on the phone just this last week with one of my buddies. He uh, served 
uh, well in the United States Marine Corps. He's been retired now for almost uh, eight years. He's living down in Florida. And I reminded him of that track meet years ago in Kansas when he shocked all of us by sprinting out in the one-mile race and took a lead and never looked back and crossed the finish line in first place some 30 yards ahead of the second place finisher that everyone thought would win the gold medal. I said, do you remember us just racing and, and cheering for you and lifting you up on our shoulders? And, you know, he said in a voice that was kind of cracking, are you kidding me? How could I ever forget that? That was one of the greatest moments of my life. And then we started talking in the spirit of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, comparing notes on how our bodies, our outer natures are wasting away. Sometimes it's hard for us to believe that we were so young, so strong, so fast, so lean. And these days, he's living his life in a retirement community in Florida, complete with shuffleboard. And he said, Bruce, pray for me. I've had uh, both knees replaced this summer, and I'm using a walker. So there you go. Our bodies are not quite what they used to be. But this old friend and I rejoiced in the blessing that even so our inner nature is being renewed every day by the wonderful grace of God in Jesus Christ. So because of God's mercy, because of God's goodness, we don't lose heart, even though, as some of you already know, and I already hear you thinking, oh, just wait, kid, it gets worse. I know, I know. But we don't lose heart, even though our knees are aching, our vision is worsening, our strength is decreasing, and some of our wives are telling us that our hearing is not quite what it used to be. I like this paraphrase from the Apostle Paul in that version of the Bible called The Message. Some of you have heard of it. Even though on the outside it looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside where God is making new life, not a day goes by. Not a day goes by without His unfolding grace. It's this grace... This amazing grace available to all of us that creates our life together, our Christian community. And it's because of this grace that several things unfold from childhood <laughs> uh, to the end of life, as we know it, this side of heaven. Twice, not just once, but twice, Paul says, we don't lose heart. We don't lose heart in our Christian walk and our daily witness. We don't lose heart when we're engaged in this ministry, in this ministry. Now, what would happen? What for you, my brother or sister, might change? What adjustments would you need to make if you thought of yourself every day in ministry? If you thought of your home, your workplace, your school, your neighborhood, as the very place where God has planted you to be his witness. I have been a pastor long enough to have witnessed many sad changes in the church, especially in North America. And one of the greatest tragedies in the church today is that so many people, 
as Scott alluded to, often think only pastors and really dedicated Christian missionaries are in ministry. And beyond that, limited, incorrect notion, some people think, well, I can be in ministry, you know, if I help with communion or Sunday school or serve as an usher. And if that's the case, then a very precious few are actually in ministry, and the rest of you are not. And that's simply not true. Thanks be to God for our Lutheran ancestors who made changes in the church's proclamation, changes back then that were thought to be revolutionary and even heretical, but these changes back in the 16th century weren't changes at all. They were simply a return to biblical teaching and biblical truth. And one of the changes that Martin Luther was accused of was his emphasis on the ministry of all the baptized. Not just priests, not just nuns and monks. We are part, all of us, of a priesthood of believers. 1 Peter chapter 2, you are a chosen race, you are a royal priesthood, you are a holy nation. You are God's own people in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Um, Peter is not writing to a gathering of clergy in this epistle. And in our reading today from Paul, he's not writing to a conference for pastors. These words of scripture, these letters were written to the entire church, my friends. People who worked with their Hands, people who grew food, people who were entrepreneurs in business, people who busied themselves raising children. The apostles are telling all these folks and you who follow Jesus, every day is a day for you to be in ministry, right where you are. So I want you to think about that place right where you are day by day, week by week. Do things happen there that are frustrating? I, I think so. I don't know about you, but do things happen in my day-to-day ministry that are frustrating? Yes. <laughs> do things happen in your life that are difficult and disappointing? Absolutely. And as Christians, we don't lose heart in the midst of the opposition, the frustrations, the difficulties, the disappointments. Not because we're so strong and we've got such resolve, but because we rely on God. And we know the Lord's mercy and grace are continually at work in us, in our hearts, especially when we're going through those tough times. And that leads us to another wonderful lesson to be learned from Paul. Did you hear this? We are being prepared for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. Did did you miss that? We're being prepared. What so many people fail to understand is that this life is preparation. Thank the Lord it's not all that there is. For when we think that this life is it, when someone 
gives your family a death certificate, end of story, that nothing awaits us after the grave, then we can fall into all kinds of schemes and lies and falsehoods. If we think this life is all there is, well, then we will determine, not God, who is successful and who is a failure by worldly standards, won't we? We won't look to the measurements of the kingdom of God, faith, hope, and love. In this scheme of things that's worldly, uh, the winners accumulate more and the losers wind up with little. So all those faces you saw in the video clip, they're the losers, poor souls. God sees things differently. We measure success in this world all the time. You've been measured up by worldly standards and so have I. And you may even from time to time be tempted to measure others with the same yardstick. But none of this means a thing compared to the glory that awaits those who live in Christ. It's beyond all measurement. So having a heart that is fully alive, living authentically in this Christian community requires us to understand, no matter how young, that we are on planet Earth for a short while compared to the eternal life that awaits us. And God wants us to think like Jesus and dare to live like Christ, who made one thing his aim, to glorify the Father in everything he said and did. Now I know, I know that many of you might be thinking, well, it's one thing for Jesus to live this way. I mean, he's God's son in the flesh. He is in perfect unity with the Father and the Spirit. That's true. It's different for people like you and me. We can't even begin to think or live like Jesus without help, without supernatural power, without mercy, without being raised up to newness of life every day. We need something powerful, something outside of ourselves, something altogether new, and something altogether true to help us in this daily discipleship. And that brings us to Paul's third lesson. God has done something. It is new. It is powerful. God's love has shown in our hearts so that we have knowledge of the truth. So many people these days think of Jesus as a wise teacher, a spiritual guide of sorts, a nice person. Nice people can help us. Wise teachers assist us. Uh, spiritual guides can point us to a path that seems best to them, but none can shine the light of God's love in our hearts. No worldly teacher is God in the flesh. None of them are the Word wrapped in human flesh and blood, the one who is the way, truth, and life. Do you remember what Jesus told us in John's Gospel, the 14th chapter? I want you to think, as I'm reading these few verses, where you most often hear this lesson. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me. In my Father's house, there's many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And you know where I'm going. But Thomas said, Lord, we don't know the way. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I 
am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Where do you normally hear that lesson? At a funeral, right? A memorial service. And for good reason. I mean, it's assuring and it's comforting to hear that promise that God's prepared a place for us in his house. But I would um, submit to you that this is also um, a text for the living, not just for the dying. It's important to know and understand that when you want to live and really live, you need to know Jesus. And if you know Christ, you know truth. You know God himself. It was a long time ago that my friend could run a mile in less than five minutes and finish in first place. But the same God who gave my old buddy, that old Marine, the ability to know and serve him then and in all of the last 50 years is the same God that's going to give him the ability in this season of life to serve him the rest of his days, even though his outer nature, especially those battered knees, (laughs) had to be replaced because he and all of us are wasting away in one manner or another. So think this morning, where were you? What were you doing 50 years ago? You got that in your mind's eye? How about 15 years ago? How about five years ago? Think of all the changes around you and all the changes in you since those markers of your history. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is the one shining the light of His love into your hearts every day of this journey through all the changes and all the seasons of this life. And He wants you alive. He wants you fully alive. And He loves you with a love that is perfect. And get this. He is preparing you even now for an eternity by the way in which you are living and serving him each day. May the peace of God that far surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord until we see him face to face. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.